It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat reporter for the Mercury News. Got a little bit of a different show for you today. I'm going to play for you a segment from this week's Hollinger and Duncan podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, serves as a deep dive into the NBA. It's worth your time if you're already not listening to it. Both of them always do a really great job. They recently talked about what the Warriors need to do this offseason in addition to the other Delete 8 teams. So I'll play that bit for you and then give you my take on what they say. Uh, but we're going to begin with some mail today. I've asked everyone listening to email me their stories about meeting former or current Warriors players out and about. My goal is to read a few of these on each episode or every few episodes. And this one is from Yang Chang, who writes in, I was at a Warriors-Pacers game during the 90s. As I was walking around the arena, I ran into Al Adels and said hello. He was super friendly, and he asked if I'd played basketball. He said the Warriors were looking for some shooters. I joked that I was too small and too skinny. He said, see Reggie Miller out there? He's not too skinny, is he? I just laughed and said thanks. My memory is what a classy guy he was. Uh, very nice. Everything I've heard of Al Adels is that he's really classy. Um, if you've got your own story that you want to read on the podcast, uh, email it to me at wgoldberg at bayareanewsgroup.com. Uh, you won't read it on the podcast. I'll read it on the podcast for you, right? You can go long, write a whole story, write a chapter. Uh, happy to read any uh, stories that you have. I think this, it's, um, it's cool. I know a lot of people listening to this have lived in the Bay Area for a long time. The Warriors are historically a team that lives in the Bay Area and is out you know, and about you know, with, with people who live here. Um, it's not necessarily a big city team, especially before they moved to San Francisco, right? So a lot of these guys used to live in Oakland. Um, a lot of these guys used to live in Alameda. Uh, so if you if you have your own story, you want it shared on this podcast, please email it to me, wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Uh, here's a tweet from the Juan Toscano Anderson fan account, which I checked, and it only has 474 followers, uh, shockingly enough. Writes in, do you think the Warriors would want to take on Justice Winslow with the risk of injury? Um, this tweet on the heels of Justice Winslow being reportedly out for the rest of the season after suffering a hip injury during a scrimmage, which means he won't play a minute for the Grizzlies since getting traded there from Miami at the trade deadline. Uh, and I wrote about Justice Winslow uh, two weeks ago as a possible target for the Warriors with the traded player exception. Talked about it on the podcast here with Charles Hamilton. Uh, as we do every week, we kind of zero in on a TPE target and talk about that. And the for the most part, the reaction was very positive to the idea of the Warriors using the TPE on Justice Winslow. He is a versatile defender, a good playmaker, ball handler. Um, I think there's still upside there offensively. He does a lot of interesting things. This is a guy who could play the four, did so in Miami. He played center for the Heat in the playoffs when he was a rookie. 
There's a ton there to like. Unfortunately, he just keeps getting injured. I mean, he guy, he guy keeps getting hurt. And this was the season from hell from him. I mean, he had the back injury, a concussion, and now the hip thing. Um, so I don't know if you chalk this up as just the worst season possible for him. Um, what I do know is that if you're the Warriors, you can't really afford to take him on not knowing his injury status. Uh, he is under contract for $13 million next year. He's got a team option for the following year at the same amount of money, $13 million. Um, if the Warriors, that, that team control is nice. The fact that he doesn't make a ton of money is good. But if you're, you're trying to immediately vault back into contention, if he can't be there for you, if he's not available and healthy for you next year, he doesn't have much use. And so I do think that this hip injury, unfortunately, eliminates him from the TPE pool of players, from just a, the group of targets that the Warriors might be looking at. Like I said, they can't afford to take on a player like like him with his injury history. They just can't. And so unless they're able to gather some sort of medical records or information, I don't know. Uh, to me, I think the Grizzlies are probably saddled with him at least for another year. And they probably want to see what he looks like. He was running, I think, backup point guard for them in these scrimmages behind John Morant. There's a lot of things to like about Justin Winslow, like I said. That means the Grizzlies probably want to see him, too, when he's healthy. Um, I don't think they have a ton of aspirations, at least not realistic aspirations, in these playoffs. So I think they go into the bubble, do what they can, enter the offseason, and then come back. And hopefully Justin Winslow could be healthy next year. And look, maybe he's a target for the Warriors down the road. I still think Justice Winslow makes a lot of sense for a team like the Warriors, a team that uses pace and space and has some wide open places for Justice Winslow to navigate in. Um, I think, you know, I said this before, Golden State, Houston, those are the sort of teams that I think Justice Winslow could thrive in and be a very useful player in the NBA. He was a, a former number 10 overall pick. I mean, that guy has a lot of talent. Um, just right now, I don't think it works, but maybe he gets healthy next year. Uh, he plays his way into health, plays his way into the rotation, plays his way into more trade value, and the Grizzlies see that trade value and say, you know what, maybe it's time to part with this guy. The Warriors can take whoever they trade it, whoever they end up trading for with the TPE, they can flip that player for another player down the line. They can do what they did with D'Angelo Russell in the middle of next year. And so maybe Justin Winslow becomes a target then, but my guess is probably not, and the Warriors want to try to stay away from these injury concerns as much as possible. So unless they are proven otherwise, probably not a target any longer. So only means that we to stay tuned for more TPE targets uh, on this show and, and on uh, the Mercury News website. Uh, all right, we're going to get to some of that segment from Hollinger and Duncan next. This is Locked On Warriors. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Support for this podcast comes from CDW NHP. At CDW, we get that an unsecured laptop can put your company's data at risk, making you a little paranoid. I'm not paranoid. You're paranoid. CDW can implement a secure mobility solution using the HP EliteBook with Intel 8th Generation processors and SureView Privacy to protect your screen from prying eyes. Did you follow me here? IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash HP security. What was that? 
the financial situation obviously is the big question for them. And so much of what they were doing was built on the idea of having fans paying a ton of money. Now they didn't get any playoff revenue for this year, which I'm sure was a huge shock to them. And then they've got desk service on their privately financed arena. And yes, they have this ability to add with a high draft pick and that $17 million trade exception and the mid-level, and they could add over $30 million in salary to this team, but that would mean massive, massive luxury tax payments. And so what the appetite for that is, is a huge question right now. Yeah, because they're looking at huge payments just with what they have on the books right now. Like if they don't add anybody, they're looking at for – uh, 2021 and 2122, you're looking at tax payments. Uh, I'm sorry, just the amount they're over the tax, you're looking at 20, 30 million. So yeah, the, the payment on that. And then if you add anyone else on top of that, that gets pretty scary pretty quick. I mean, if you, this is what happens when you have four max contracts though, right? Yeah, pretty much. And, well, th- three and then Draymond. Three Green and then Draymond. Yeah. Million. Yeah. 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 Don't, don't fall into the agent trap. It was tweeted out as a max extension. Do not <laughs> propagate this. It is not a max contract. It's simply the largest extension he could have signed at that time, but it is like $10 million less than the max. Um, yeah, it's, and it's further galling, you might think, for Warriors fans. I mean, also you've got the cap probably going to be $6 million less than expected. Mm-hmm. And you've also got, other teams who might be feeling the squeeze as well to where there might be guys who might not normally be available that could be with that $17 million trade exception. But if they don't, aren't, aren't going to have the commitment to spend it, which, you know, I don't blame them. I mean, they're, they're going to lose a lot of money probably. Um, then you, there's really a missed opportunity again, going into a season, which Steph Curry is going to be 33 next year. Yeah. They already wasted this year for him. Yeah. So this is, it's getting close to their to their last uh, licks here in terms of the Curry Thompson Green era, and t- to let that uh, cap exception pass, I think would probably like they could still be good, but it's going to be hard to be a contender without utilizing that to get another plus uh, player in there. You, 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 we saw it in the finals last year, just like just counting on those three guys to carry the team. It doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it worked to get them to the NBA Finals, um, but the, now those guys are going to be two years older as well. And, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for these guys. Let me ask you this as just a, a, a way to finish up on them. How do you feel about some of their young guys actually being able to contribute next year? Who do you see as someone who can contribute? Who do you see as someone who can't? I actually was fairly uh, surprised by Marquise Chris. As a as a five, as a as a guy who could make some passes and and do some things and be provide some energy off the bench, I thought he was all right. Uh, so I think he might be able to as a backup. I think Damian Lee might be able to as a backup. Um, you know, Eric Paschal got all the uh, attention. I'm actually a little worried about how he fits in a, you know, as a role player on a on a good team. Uh, it was a lot of one on one, a lot of mid range. Uh, I'm not sure he's a Great outside shooter. We'll see. He he shot the ball better in college than he did as a pro, but the motion just looks like a little jacked up. Yeah, Um, this was interesting, actually. Anthony Slater wrote a piece about this uh, of The Athletic talking about how 
they tried to get him to shoot a set shot earlier in the year. He couldn't hit anything, and then he went back to shooting his jump shot when he actually improved a little bit. But in the long term, they want him to shoot that that set shot to mm-hmm. get a little more arc on the ball. Yeah, so I, I'd say the jury's kind of still out on him. Um, and then, like, the, the other guys are probably just filler. Like, I don't know, I, I'm not that excited about Jordan Poole. Uh, and, yeah, you know, Smiley, Mulder, Toscano, like, I'd, I'd have a hard time seeing them being, like, you know, major contributors. I'm a Mulder guy. I like him a lot, actually. I think he's, like, more better defensively than your usual shooter type. And if he can keep up what he was doing in the G League and Miami system, shooting it, I mean, he actually, like, he actually contributed to them winning basketball games. I realize they're a shitty team. Yeah. But, like, they actually were had their most competitive stretch of the season right before the shutdown. And it was a big part of it was just to have a guy who can actually make some shots uh, and defend his position a little bit at the two. So, I like, the type of player that he could be actually appeals to me. I think he, he and Lee, I think, have a chance. Chris, I'm a little bit less sanguine on with you. And Pascal, I agree. I mean, he's got to maybe just be a bench scorer. And then maybe, you know, he and Green could play together at the four and the five, but that's the only way those guys can play together. You can't have one of those guys play the three. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Now, Paschal did, I mean, he played four exclusively in college. So having, having him move back up the ladder, that, that could be an option to get more out of him. Yeah. And I think as a finisher, I really like him a lot. So if, if they can utilize the floor being spread, and also have him being guarded by someone who's not any good. You know, I think he might be able to do something. But again, I, I acknowledge that it's one of those things where just seeing these guys play every day, you're like, oh, this guy looks semi competent on this 14 <laughs> and 50 team. And it's just, you don't know how that's going to translate to a real team, especially with some of the small sample sizes for these guys. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is really hard. I mean, we went through that a couple times in Memphis. Um, you know, the one the one year where we signed literally everyone out of the G League and we're, you know, talking ourselves into Xavier Mumford and whatnot just because he was better than the other guys we signed out of the G League. But I, you know. I, I thought Mumford had a chance, actually. I was yeah. I, I think I, I talked myself yeah. into him a little bit, too. Uh, but, yeah, he, he hasn't been able to get his career going, sadly. So uh, last question here, their pick. Yeah, I I think they should probably pick. I don't know who they're going to be able to get with that pick that is better than just making the pick. You're chugging trade-wise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, would you trade that pick for, like, maybe not these guys specifically, but, you know, let's say it's the number three overall pick. Mm-hmm. And would you trade that pick for, like, a Josh Richardson or a Marcus Smart? On on this team, you might you might think about it, given where they are on their on their timeline. Um. I just like, but those are you're dealing with other teams that are kind of in win now mode too. That's a that's yeah. a hard trade for those other teams to make. Right. I mean, there aren't that many guys who you can uh, who are actually like good winning players on bad teams. That's why those teams are bad. <laughs> yes. So it's a key, key limitation. Yeah. And contractually, a lot of there's not a lot of guys like that who are available and fit into that exception either. So that's where it gets difficult. Yeah. Aaron now, Gordon just like barely fitting. Now there's the option of the like the stair step trade potentially as long as yes. we have enough time in between that. Okay, that was it for their Warriors part of the conversation. My reaction is next. This is Locked On Warriors. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one on one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. <laughs> Making you old fashioned today. 
with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the Old Fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash watsonassistant to learn more. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Please rate, review, and say nice things. You can send your comments and questions to me on Twitter at WC Goldberg or email them to me at wgoldberg at bayarianewsgroup.com. Send in those stories about meeting current and former Warriors players there, too. Um, a few things I want to get to from that conversation between Nate Duncan and John Hollinger. Uh, number one, the Eric Paschal concerns, I think, are warranted. It's something that I've been talking on the show a lot about and writing about for quite some time. There are things to like about Eric Paschal, certainly. Very productive as a rookie. Probably should make the first-team all-rookie team. Certainly will make the all-rookie team, at least on the second team. Uh, An absolute gem to have found in the second round. I don't know what his upside is. Okay? I don't know if this is somebody who can work within a starting five. I don't know if he's somebody that could even be your sixth or seventh man. And there's, again, things to like. He's got the look of a versatile defensive player, of a player who could play hypothetically next to Draymond Green, but he has to stabilize that outside jumper. It's something that everybody's written about and everybody's aware of. And if that doesn't start to fall at a, at a regular clip at about, you know, much beyond what Draymond Green is shooting from beyond the arc, then he's not going to be able to play with Draymond Green, and that's a concern. But my bigger concern is whether or not he can function within the flow of the offense. It's one thing to run isolation with Eric Paschal over and over again and let him bail out your offense, but he's not going to have those opportunities when Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are healthy, and he shouldn't have those opportunities the way he had them as a rookie. They're just not going to be there. He's not going to be the fulcrum of the offense. He's not going to be the bailout guy in most uh, sets and in most circumstances. So that's going to be Steph's job. That's going to be Klay's job, and rightfully so. Even Andrew Wiggins, to a certain extent, is going to be able to do some of that. Now, he could be that for the second unit. He could be your bench scorer. That's something the Warriors have been looking for for years, and I think they may have found it with Eric Paschal. But a lot of people project his role forward as the small ball four, maybe a small ball five. He could play next to Draymond in the front court. I have my doubts about that. And I have my doubts about his ability to flow within, you know, with the other starters. I don't know if he is right now the Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston replacement as a sixth and seventh man. Because if he doesn't progress as a playmaker, he's going to have a hard time within that ecosystem with getting guys the ball. Okay, he was a below average passer for most of his rookie year. He made strides toward the end of the season, and those were very encouraging. And he's got to continue to do that as well as continue to uh, develop that outside jumper if he's going to be a big part of the core rotation. If not, you could see his productivity and his role dramatically decline next season when this team is healthy. And I think that's very much on the table. But I also will say this. He's a hard worker. He wants to be part of the rotation. I think if he does develop those things, then everything else clicks into place, and he becomes a very important part to this team. 
If he does all those other things, if he could become a better passer and playmaker, if he can you know, learn to not be such a black hole on offense at times, and if he can get that outside jumper going and continue to get better on defense, where I think he's a little overrated, especially as a perimeter defender, then all these things click into place, and he's got the body, the athleticism, the, the basketball IQ, and, and I think the um, the general disposition to be a real uh, significant role player on on a team with playoff and NBA Finals aspirations. The other thing they got to was Marquise Chris's fit. Um, there's a lot to consider with Chris. He wants to start next year at center. That's his goal. It's not guaranteed. Now that said. My understanding with the Warriors would be okay, worst comes to worst, with Marquise Chris starting at center. But we also know that they are going to add to that position this summer. They're going to sign a center this offseason. They're going to. Probably a traditional center, right? A guy who can kind of anchor the paint, anchor your defense. Think Zaza Pachulia, Andrew Bogut, those kinds of guys. Those That's the guy that they're missing currently. Marquise Chris is more in the mold of like the JaVale McGee's, these rim rollers, super athletes that can uh, play above the rim, get open for lob dunks and all these things. Now, he could start sort of nominally for the Warriors next year. He could be in the starting five, but not necessarily get starters minutes because the Warriors do tend to use a lot of players at that position. And so if they go that route, maybe Marquise Chris is the starter, but he's not their closer. Okay? Um, I think they would be okay with Chris starting, but he's probably playing a little bit more of a reserve role, regardless of whether or not he's introduced to the starting lineup or not. He's not going to get as many minutes um, as he did. Another interesting thing that Hollinger pointed out this week in, in a written article for The Athletic was maybe the Warriors just go all the way in on Draymond Green at center. That, to me, is very interesting, and it's something I want to continue to explore the more I think about it. Um, I don't know that Draymond Green at his age can play center full-time, but then again, that shot is never coming back. I mean, he is not—it doesn't seem like he'll ever shoot significantly better than 30%, if at all, for the rest of his career. That that one season where he did seems like an anomaly. That was the exception, not the rule. And so if that's the case, you can dramatically increase your spacing. If you just play Draymond Green at center full-time, the same way Houston is playing basically P.J. Tucker at center full-time. And what's the difference if he's your start? If you start with the quote unquote death lineup, if you start with Draymond Green at center, you could still sign your traditional seven footer, your traditional uh, rim protector in free agency. You could still have Marquise Chris coming off the bench. You could still have a stable of centers to go to. But maybe you start with Draymond Green at center and another forward with Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Maybe that's how you start and close games while you still maintain. Uh, uh, depth at that position that you can go to in situational circumstances. So there's a lot there. Um, the final part that I want to get to before we close the show, um, the bottom dwe- dwellers. Um, Hollinger seemed uh, not very overly enthusiastic about much of the bottom of the uh, of Golden State's roster. Uh, Nate Duncan seemed to be pretty high on Mike Mulder. Um, I have my own questions about the bottom of the roster. I think Mulder can work. I think the Warriors were encouraged by him, but it was a very small sample size, and what he does in training camp is going to matter a lot. Okay, I also think with Kai Bowman, Juan Toscano Anderson, um, I, I those are the kind of guys that I think are, in, in addition to Mulder, those are the guys that are going to be competing for those two two-way contract spots. I think Damian Lee is pretty safe. Marquise Chris is safe. Um, Alan Smiley-Geach, I have my doubts about his long-term upside. I think we saw a lot of glaring holes in his game, a lot of reasons for concern toward the end of the season. 
I don't know that a Warriors team looking to vault back into contention right now can afford the patience it's going to take for Alan Smiley to become a rotation player in the NBA. I'm not sure that they can afford that kind of time. And so with that in mind, do they try to trade him or move off of him? I think that's a real question that we have to consider. So the bottom of the roster is what it is. I think maybe one or two of those guys end up sticking. Uh, A couple of them end up filling the two-way spots. Um, But of those guys, I think Damian Lee, Marquise Chris, those guys are definitely safe. Uh, Michael Mulder probably has the inside track of that other group uh, of making the roster as a 15 on the 15 man roster. Um, while the other guys are probably in line for those two way contracts. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of locked on warriors. Thanks for listening. Please stay safe. Hey, Bay area sports fans. This is Ben Kaspic host of the locked on giants podcast which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.